Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, September 20th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, the show may sound a little bit different today. I'm at a different location. I'm down in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. Actually, my mom's in this room is a bit more echoey than my normal office. So we're just going to have to make do with that. But I wanted to let you know that's why it might sound a little bit different. At any rate, this was Fed Week, and there are all kinds of central bank mechanizations we need to cover. The biggest move the Fed made really didn't even get a whole lot of attention in the mainstream. I mean, it was mentioned in the financial press, but nobody really made a big deal out of it. I think it was a pretty big deal. We'll get to that in a second. First, I'll touch on the FOMC meeting. As expected, the Fed cut interest rates by another quarter percent. The Fed funds rate now stands between 1.75 and 2%. Now think about that for just a second. The interest rate is under 2% and we are supposedly in a period of economic growth. In fact, that was the big theme of Powell and company. The economy is strong. Employment looks good. Inflation is muted. The Fed continues to peddle this idea that the cuts are a precautionary thing because of issues that are out there somewhere. Now, as far as what's next, the central bank sent out some mixed signals. Markets widely construed the Fed's messaging as somewhat hawkish. It stuck to the theme of a mid-cycle correction. In its policy statement, the Fed said the U.S. economy is growing at a moderate rate and that the labor market, quote, remains strong. It cut rates, quote, in light of the implications of global developments for economic outlook as well as muted inflation pressures, unquote. It said continued growth and strong hiring are the most likely outcomes in the near term, but it left itself plenty of wiggle room to cut rates further. It mentioned uncertainties and said it would continue to act as appropriate to sustain the expansion. In other words, if the stock market starts to tank again like it did last fall, it's going to cut rates some more. The rate cut vote was 7-3. Two members of the FOMC didn't want any rate cut at all, and Jim Bullard wanted a 50 basis point cut. Now, like I said, the Fed met market expectations. No more, no less. And the markets reacted accordingly. Stocks initially sold off with a slightly hawkish statement. The Dow was down close to 200 points immediately after the announcement, but recovered to close actually positive on the day. It was up about 30 points. Gold fell below 1,500, but was back above that level on Thursday morning. As I record this podcast, gold is still holding above that key level. It appears the yellow metal is consolidating around 1,500. Between September 10th and September 19th, gold traded as high as 1,533 and as low as 1,490. So it looks like there's a base right around that $1,500 mark. Silver was hit a little harder. It dropped about 30 cents and it's now trading below 18 bucks. President Trump wasn't impressed with the Fed. He blasted it again on Twitter, saying, Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve fail again. No guts, no sense, no vision. A terrible communicator. Gotta love President Trump. So the FOMC meeting was kind of ho-hum. The real Fed fireworks were on Tuesday morning. And like I said, nobody really seemed to notice. So what happened? Well, the New York Fed conducted a repurchase operation involving about $53 billion in debt instruments. The move was designed to unplug the financial system's quote-unquote plumbing with an injection of cash. It's the first time the Fed has done this since the financial crisis a decade ago. You know, it's kind of interesting how many reports I've done over the last few months that have have involved the words the first time since the Great Recession. 
Anyway, the Fed purchase involved about $40.8 billion of treasuries, $11.7 billion in mortgage-backed securities, and $600 million in agency debt. That was according to a CNBC report. The move was prompted by the recent surge in interest rates that drove the overnight repo rate Monday to as high as 8.5%. The New York Fed actually repeated this operation on Wednesday and on Thursday, upping the amount to $75 billion each day. So the central bank injected a total of $203 billion into the markets this week. Okay, so what exactly does all of this mean? Well, in a nutshell, there wasn't enough liquidity in the financial system. There weren't enough lenders to meet the needs of the borrowers, and repo rates skyrocketed. So the Fed stepped in and injected billions of dollars into the system to push interest rates back down. Peter Schiff called this a, quote, big deal. He said it shows that the Fed is losing control of the short end of the curve, that market forces are beginning to overwhelm the Fed's attempts to artificially suppress interest rates. So here are the nuts and bolts to this thing, because I think this is important. Repurchase operations are a key aspect of the banking system. The repo market enables banks to borrow cash short term in order to maintain liquidity and meet daily needs. In a repo trade, banks and other firms use treasuries or other high quality securities as collateral for a short term loan. The bank then repurchases the bonds, paying a nominal rate of interest. This usually happens all within 24 hours. Interest rates on repo deals typically hover in the same ballpark as the Fed's benchmark rate, the one that the Fed uh, just cut. But when investors become wary of lending for whatever reason, or if cash reserves fall, that interest rate can skyrocket. It's a simple supply and demand dynamic. As Reuters described, this can lead to a number of significant problems in the financial markets. Trading in stocks and bonds can get difficult. It can pinch lending to businesses and consumers. And if the disruption is prolonged, it can actually become a drag on the economy because, of course, the economy relies on the flow of credit. On Monday, available cash essentially evaporated, prompting the Fed to step in and conduct these repo operations in order to inject cash into the system. In a nutshell, market forces were pushing interest rates up to attract funds. The Fed intervened by creating money out of thin air to artificially suppress the rates. Okay, so what caused this problem? Reuters pinpointed two coincidental events. First, corporations had to withdraw funds from money market accounts to pay for quarterly tax bills. And then that same day, the banks and investors who bought $78 billion of U.S. Treasury notes and bonds sold by Uncle Sam last week had to settle up their accounts. But there's also an underlying systemic problem. According to Reuters, cash reserves that banks park with the Fed and are often made available to other banks on an overnight basis are at the lowest level since 2011. This is the result of the Fed's recent balance sheet reduction. In other words, what we saw early this week was a tremor caused by the Federal Reserve's quantitative tightening. Now, in the wake of the 2008 crash, the Fed bought more than $3.5 trillion in bonds, and banks built up massive cash reserves at the Fed. The level peaked at around $2.8 trillion and began to drop in 2015 when the Fed started to raise interest rates. The decline in reserves accelerated when the central bank began its balance sheet reduction operation, quantitative tightening. According to Reuters, bank reserves at the Fed lasted $1.47 trillion. That's lowest since 2011, like I said. A nearly 50% drop below their peak from five years ago. 
These reserves serve as the primary source of liquidity to fund the repo markets. The repo operations this week seem to have stabilized the system, but they didn't address the underlying problem. Ultimately, the Fed will likely have to increase its balance sheet to boost bank reserves. In other words, we're talking more quantitative easing. This is exactly what the bond king, Jeffrey Gundlach, said he thinks is happening. During a recent webcast, he said the Fed is, quote, baby-stepping their way to doing QE. So is this an imminent disaster? Gundlach said no, but he said the Fed is going to use this warning sign to go back to balance sheet expansion. In fact, during his press conference, Powell actually said the Fed may have to resume balance sheet expansion. That's basically an admission that QE4 is on the horizon. They're going to change the name, though, because, you know, that makes it better and different. The current term being tossed about is POMO, Permanent Open Market Operations. But no matter what you call it, it's really just debt monetization. Now, Gundlach isn't alone in thinking QE is on the horizon. Krishna Gua, head of global policy and central banking strategy at Evercore ISI, told CNBC the repo spike caused, quote, a material disruption in the markets. She said, there are likely a bunch of technical factors at work here, but it underlies our view that the Fed has reduced the level of reserves enough too much and will need to start growing its balance sheet again soon, while potentially also adding open market operations and eventually putting in place a repo facility to provide a backstop for funding markets when funding pressures get too tight. You know, central bank manipulations lead to more central bank manipulations. There was another interesting thing the Fed did during the FOMC meeting. It lowered the interest rate it pays banks to hold excess reserves. This is meant to incentivize banks to loan out more money. This is really interesting to me. I did an interview this week with economist Edward Stringham, and he said one of the reasons we did not see massive inflation with all of the money creation during the Great Recession is because the Fed pushed the rate up in order to incentivize banks to hold higher cash reserves. That means a lot of cash that the Fed conjured out of thin air never circulated in the broader economy. That kept price inflation tamer than you would expect with all of the QE. But what's going to happen if the banks start lending instead of holding money? This could spark inflation, so the Fed could be playing with fire here. Okay, so I covered a lot of technical stuff today, but I really think it's important to understand this. This is what's driving the economy. It's the Fed mechanizations. It's what's going on in the uh, financial market and with interest rates. It's not the trade war. It's not Trump tweets. Now, if you want to get a better grip on how all of this might affect you and your portfolio, I highly recommend talking to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can talk to him at 1-888-GOLD-160. They can help you make sense out of all of this and what it means for the markets, for gold, for precious metals, and help you with your portfolio as all of this continues to unfold. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for that stuff on the show notes page. And if you're listening on YouTube, we always invite you to share your thoughts on the week's gold news in the comments section. Also, don't forget, I have a new It's Your Dime interview that uh, came out last week. I talked with Jose Nino. He is from Venezuela. And we talk about this whole notion that Venezuela didn't have real socialism. Uh, Great perspective on the economy and socialism from a guy who... Uh, knows intimately what's going on in Venezuela. So, 
with all of that said, I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you next time.